Some of you who know me, I love watching movies, and I always go back to a movie called Rush Hour. With uh, many of you have seen it. in 2003, I believe. I was I was living in Elgin, Illinois. But in that movie, there's a particular scene that I want to use because it is the, the cop Johnson. She's a female. She belongs to the bomb squad, and she's trying. You know, she's practicing disarming a bomb. You know, and, and so she, there's a glass case, and 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 the guy and the speaker say, "Hey, Johnson." 15 seconds, you got to make a decision. You know it's that scene where there's like the red wire, the, 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 the blue wire, and the yellow wire. Which wire do I cut? And, and so she's trying to make a decision. You know, then the, the, the voice says, five seconds, Johnson, make a decision. At that moment, Inspector Lee and Carter come and Carter banged on the glass and said, Johnson. So she panicked and she ended up cutting the, the wrong wire. And the voice says, I got bad news for you, Johnson. We all did. Then she said, I was distracted, sir. And the voice says, Distraction are, distractions, are going to have, uh, distractions are going to occur in the field. This is, why we call, this is why we call this practice. If you can't handle pressure, then quit. Distraction is going to happen in the field. If you can handle the pressure, then quit. You see, distraction is going to happen in every area of our lives. In your work, at school. Where you, where you go shopping at. In every phase of our lives, we're going to deal with distractions. You always want to be distracted. While you're driving, when you go to the gym, at church, there's always going to be something that's going to distract you. I mean, many of you might be distracted right now. Somebody might send you a text, and then you won't be able to focus on the sermon. Distractions happen everywhere. And, and you know, it's like we have our phone, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden something pulls you away. Now, distraction... What it is, according to the dictionary, is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Something that diverts your attention. A synonym will be diversion, interruption, intrusion. Something's going to interrupt the flow right there so you'll be distracted. It is in the, also in the movie The Matrix where Morpheus explained to Neil all the things about The Matrix. And there's a woman in red dress and Neil happened to, like, to look. And Morpheus said, look again, Neil. He got distracted. So we all got to experience this thing that we call distraction. But how do we overcome it? To remain, you know, in a society so saturated with technology, it's almost like, you know, some, the phone, everything. I mean, there are people that their phone is part of their body already. Like, you cannot put them down. They go to the bathroom with them. It's like, I mean, so many things. We're just saturated in the age of the technology. So many voices you hear, which one is really you're going to focus on and pay attention? How can you focus on God and, and utilize this thing that we call quality time when we're all going to be distracted, pull away, diverted in so many different directions? You see, as followers of Jesus, we will face distractions in ministries, in our own spiritual journey, in your own race. Our trying to grow in Christ will not be without distractions. Our trying to mature in Christ will not be without interruptions. There will always be things that will tempt us to, to pull us away, that prevent us from accomplishing our mission, that will divert us from walking with, with God. Things that will pull you away from the straight and narrow path. Things that will distract us from being the kind of people that God desires us to be. Now, the good news is, that you and I can be victorious over distraction. You know, distractions are not going away. They're all going to happen. You know, the basketball free throw line, when, when 
you, you, you're the visitor, you're the away team, you come and, and you try to make a free throw, there are people making all kinds of signs over there. Like, you know, why, why do they do that? Because they want to distract you so that you don't focus on what you're supposed to be doing. Make the free throws, like, miss it. That's what they want. So we have, Satan always going to do that to us so that we be distracted from walking, from doing exactly what the Lord asked us to do. I want to look at three instances in the life of Jesus because even Jesus had to battle distractions. Jesus was tempted just like you and I are tempted. He was, he was uh, tempted to stop running his own race. To, to stop accompl- to, uh, he was uh, tempted to, to, accomplish his, uh, to stop accomplishing his mission. To be diverted from what he came to do. To seek and save the lost. So there are three instances in the life of Jesus we're going to see how he won, how he overcame distraction. And then we're going to learn how we can do the same today. Because just like Jesus was tempting every way, we too are going to be tempted to stop running our race. To be interrupted from accomplishing his mission. The first instance is before Jesus started his ministry. According to the Gospel of Matthew, I'm going to be looking at a Matthew chapter 21. But before I get there, I want to show you right before Jesus started his ministry. Jesus just began. He was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And then after baptism, the Bible said that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. But before he went through the testing, he prayed and fasted for 40 days. So right before he initiated his ministry, ministry meaning like before he started preaching and teaching people, he did not even have disciples. This is way before Jesus initiated that. We have the first diversion that he was proposed to Jesus by the devil. Matthew 4. The temptation came so that Jesus would take a different road, a different path. Satan attempted to divert Jesus from the main goal, which is the cross. Remember when, when Satan came, if you are the son of God, you know, the Bible says Jesus was hungry. After not eating for 40 days, he was hungry. And then he was vulnerable. And that, at that moment, Satan said, you are the son of God, but you don't have to be hungry. Make these stones into bread. And just say, the Bible says, man shall not live on bread alone. And every word that comes out of the mouth of, of God. Satan, three temptations to Jesus. At one time, he said he took him, uh, going to the gospel, Matthew chapter 4. He took him to the pinnacle of the temple. and said, hey, cast yourself down. Throw yourself down because it is written, God will send his angel to watch over you. It's almost like Satan is saying to Jesus, prove yourself that you are truly the Son of God by throwing yourself down and not harming yourself. And finally, he says, hey, all these kingdoms of the world I will give to you if you worship me. So turn the stones into bread. Prove your identity as the Son of God by doing a miracle. And all the kingdoms of the world, they have been given to me. And I will give it to you, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. What is Satan trying to do with Jesus? If Jesus listened to any of those temptations, Satan said, hey, you know, it's not even a detour. It's like change location, Jesus. Whatever you try to do, don't go this route. Just do this one. Worship me and you don't even have to die. All this is a way of distraction to Jesus because Satan is attempting to, to disrupt Jesus' mission, to create a diversion. Now, Jesus overcame these temptations by not submitting to the demands of the devil. Satan was trying to keep Jesus from fulfilling his mission that he came to accomplish. Jesus even said it 
in, in his ministry. I came to seek and save what, what was lost. But Satan now said, you don't, you don't really have to go through that. Here's a, here's a better option. Here's an alternative, Jesus. So there, Satan is attempting to stop Jesus from fulfilling his mission. That's what distraction is. And then later on during his ministry, now Jesus is preaching. He has disciples following. And I remember, you remember that story when he fed more than 5,000 men without counting women and children? So after, the, after that miracle, people saw Jesus as the Messiah and they said, hey, he's the prophet. He's the Messiah that was supposed to come and deliver us from, from the oppression of the Roman Empire. People wanted to make Jesus king by force. They saw the miracle. Matthew doesn't tell us why the urgency that Jesus told the disciples, hey, get on the boat, let's go. But John tells us that Jesus knew that the crowd intended to make him king by force. So Jesus withdrew. He left because his time, his time has not yet come. The people wanted to make him king. The king that they wanted, the Messiah, the political leader that they were longing for. And Jesus did not want to meet that demand. Not yet. In, in John 6, 15, Matthew 14, 22, the Bible says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Jesus left the crowd behind. Why? Because he knew their intention. They wanted, to, they wanted Jesus to fulfill their dream, their hopes. And Jesus came to to save everyone, not just to engage in political uh, affairs. Now, when you look at the incident, it's interesting because you see, there's nothing wrong with having fame. Jesus just is so famous during this time, and a lot of people follow him. And now, because they see that he can do miracles, people are just like so thrilled, so amazed at what he can do. There's nothing wrong with fame. But when the fame takes you away from God's ultimate plan and goal, now you're in trouble. You know, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with people, the accolades, and people want to, you know, to applaud you, and they, they see you as the one that they've been longing for. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus knew that that's not the time for him to be known as the king of the Jews. It was later on when they said, Hosanna to the king, and Jesus allowed that to happen back then. But this is early in his ministry. Jesus knew their intention and said, mm -mm, my time has not yet come, so he withdrew from them. You, know, you see, sometimes something called good can take you away from God. Something good, because, you know, it's good that people love Jesus. They want Jesus, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But it will pull Jesus away from the main goal. And somebody said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And, and so that would pull Jesus away. And he, he recognized it immediately. He said, not now, not today. You see, everything has a potential to drive you away from God. Just like we, we talked about in the past, like anything can become an idol to you. Everything has the potential. Even good things that we have. Our phone can be good, but, but sometimes, you know, now we have apps. We have apps that can, you know, you can read the Bible. There's no app for maturity. You know, eventually, you know, or, or to get close to God. Now you can, you can have the Bible, you can have a devotion. That's great. But there are other things in there that sometimes you're just playing games and like we get distracted. And now we don't, 24 hours a day is not enough because it's like, where did, where did the time go? We're so distracted. We're just like so many things that is pulling away our attention from the main thing. 
You know, like I say, any, any good thing can be, a good thing can become a distraction for us. From, you know, can, can pull us away from God, divert us from God, from what he really wants us to do. And Jesus recognized that. I mean, fame is good. Hey, you know, but he knew that he did not come to be a political leader that people wanted him to be. So at that moment, he says no to the crowd. And he withdrew away. The disciples got on the boat and he left. He left them because that's not what he came to do. Jesus removed himself from the crowd because at this time they would not help him fulfill his mission. Rather, they would completely hinder him from it. So any, any, anything can hinder you from accomplishing the mission of God. Anything can keep you away from fulfilling the mission. You know, in churches, they will deal, churches will deal with that a lot. I mean, sometimes like any little thing, like yeah, there's a conflict within the church. People are not talking to one another. All those things are distraction. To fulfill the main mission that we've got to go, there's a, a, a lost world out there. There are people that need to hear Jesus, but now we have to have meeting to, to deal with other things in the church. Distraction. Because Satan say, if I keep people so busy over here, the whole world will not know about Jesus. And we have to be able to recognize when distraction will come. You always want to be distracted to take a different path. Than the one that Jesus already laid out for us. Now the third time that Jesus had to battle distraction. It was laid on towards the You see before the, before the ministry. Through the ministry. And at the end of his ministry. He had to battle that. And it was through a friend. Even family members can be a distraction for us sometimes. Because you know we want to follow Jesus. And now we have people. Oh you know they, they want to make fun of you. And you know and, and instead of encouraging you. Now you have to battle with that as well. You see, Jesus has spent about three years with the apostles. And according to Matthew 16, that I want to read for you, verse 21 through 23. This is right after Jesus uh, told the disciples, who do people say that I am? And remember, and Simon Peter says, well, the disciples said, well, people, people think you are uh, a prophet, John the Baptist or Jeremiah or Elijah. And then Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the, that's the whole, that's after that confession. And then Jesus applauded Simon Peter and says, Blessed are you, Simon, because this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower. And I tell you, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Uh, whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then after that, the Bible says that Jesus began to, to plainly tell them what he was about to do. He said, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The chief priests and the teachers of the Lord, they're going they're gonna, to uh, uh, torture me. They're going to crucify me. But on the third day, I'll be back. He told them that. Peter did not like that a bit. So let me take you to that incident. Verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. And, and keep in mind, this is towards the end of... Uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men.
Jesus told them about his suffering, what he, what he really intended. Now, you know, for the disciples, that's really going to be devastating news because they did not want Jesus to die. And now Jesus said, I'm going to go there. They're gonna, I'm going to suffer. They're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised. They didn't hear about the raising of the resurrection. All they heard was like, you're going to be, what? You're going to be killed? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's not all the time you see somebody rebuking Jesus in the Bible. Peter took him aside and began to say, you got to be out of your mind, Jesus. That's not, that's not what we want you to do. That's not happening to you. Not on my watch, Jesus. Never. Jesus recognized Satan's voice through his friend. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus called Peter Satan. because of, and, and he said, why? He said, because you're not thinking with God mind. You don't have in your mind God's perspective. You have your own perspective. You're not thinking kingdom focus. You're thinking about your kingdom. So at that moment, I'm not going to listen to you. We're buddies. We're friends. But get behind me, Satan, because you right now you are, stumbled, you are hindrance to me. You are stumbling block. You are a distraction to me in fulfilling my mission. This is what I came to do. And Jesus recognized that. That's why he said, get behind me, Satan, because you don't, have, you don't have in your mind the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus, in other words, Jesus is saying, I came to do this. And now you want to be a... You want to be a hindrance to me, a stumbling block, a distraction. I'm sorry, I won't listen to you. So you see, Jesus overcame all those distractions, all those temptations that Satan threw at him for the purpose of stopping Jesus from accomplishing his mission. You see, three instances, and we can see how Jesus overcame, that he actually was victorious over the distraction, over the temptation. And you and I, we, you and I can also be overcomers, victorious over any distraction. But how do we do that? How can we overcome distraction? Now, the first thing that you and I need to do in order to overcome it is to be aware that they, are, they can be everywhere. You know, some, some people live their lives like, oh, no, that's not going to happen to me. No, you, first, you have to be aware that distraction can happen anywhere. You just drive in the car and something pull you away. It's like, boop, there's an accident. You know, you got distracted. You know, it's like to, to remain focused. I mean, even the author of Hebrews in chapter 12 talks about that, that we, we've been given this race marked out for us. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. Remember what happened to Peter when he was walking in water? Why did he sink? He got distracted. He said, he, said, he, got, he got, I mean, you know, we, we talk. <laughs> Peter, you're a little faith, but he's the only one. He told Jesus, if, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to walk towards you on the water. Jesus said, come. He stepped out of the boat. The only man beside Jesus who walked on water was Peter. And the Bible said he was walking toward Jesus on the lake. And then when he saw, you say he's looking at Jesus. When, when he saw the waves and felt the wind and got distracted, he began to sink. And the same thing is going to happen to us. So the first thing you and I need to understand, the distraction is going to be... It, it, it might come through our families, our kids. Anything can be a potential distraction to pull, you, to pull us away from God. Remember, I say any, anything good can pull you away from something better that the Lord might have for you. So how do we experience victory over distraction? First, recognizing that they're always going to be there and they, they can come in any package. We're just going to be alert. Jesus recognized them. He, he heard it through the voice of Satan. He heard that through Peter. He did not let anything distract him from the main goal. I mean, Jesus told Pilate one time when he was 
going through the trial, when Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he said, for that purpose, I was, I was born. And then he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus could have called tri- trillions of angels to fight against it, but that's, that wasn't God's plan. His plan would be that the Son of God would go to the cross and pay for the penalty of my sins and your sins. That's what he came to do. And he would not let anything get on his way of accomplishing his mission. Not even his best body, Peter. That's why he said, Peter, I, I, I see it. Get behind me, Satan. Right now, you're not thinking God's kingdom. You're thinking about your own kingdom, your own agenda. You're not thinking about God's agenda, but yours. I won't listen to you at that moment. Well, I love you, but I go with God on this one. Because this is what I came to do. So, we're all going to battle that. We're going to prepare ourselves. You know, another thing that we do is you got to be prepared. And how do you prepare yourself knowing that that can happen? Jesus spent time praying and fasting before he even initiated his ministry. So, and it was after that that he came, he, here came uh, the tempter. He prepared himself. And Jesus even took time in his ministry to, to, to commune with God, to be alone with the Father. So that's how you and I can prepare ourselves. I mean, you know, when was the last time you spent time, quality time with God? You know, I mean, really, you know, praying, reading His Word. You know, I mean, that's how you prepare yourself because that way, when anything tries to come and divert you from the mission, you already see it. It's like, hmm, I see this is a distraction. Like, I won't listen to it. Prayer, fasting, and the constant study of the Word will keep you focused and train you to battle against temptation and distraction. You know, the Bible talks about that, um, that there will be false teachers and a lot of ideologies coming, you know, in latter days. How would you know that that's a false teaching? But you've got to be acquainted with the right teaching so in order for you to know. Uh, it sounds like it, but, but it ain't. It's not. So you, you have to be in the words where you know exactly like, mm, that's maybe prosperity gospel or something else, but that's not the true gospel. You know, uh, prepare yourself. Because we're all going to be distracted to preach something else, to do what the world wants us to do. That's why Paul says, do not, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by renewing your mind. So prepare your minds for action. No distractions are going to happen. You know, there are Christians that, that they have forgotten that the moment you become a, a Christian, you enter a battlefield. You don't enter a playground. You enter the battlefield. And even Paul says that you got to put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. Because the, the days are evil and there's so many things pulling you, so many voices. And you don't know which one is the voice of God because, you know, pulling you in so many directions. Which one are you going to listen to? You know, that you have to be able to recognize the voice of God in the midst of many voices always telling you things to do. Soldiers train to go to war. And be victorious because, you know, if they don't train, they might become casualty of war. And they, a soldier is, is decorated, you know, they are awarded when they come back because they have fought valiantly. And, you know, soldiers never get a medal because they've been training good over here. It's after they have gone to the war and come back. And now, like, you know, somebody said, you never know the worth, the worth, the worth of a soldier is never known in time of peace. But it's in time of war. And you and I as Christians, we need to prepare ourselves because anything can pull us away from the mission of God. Even a good ministry. You know, I remember preaching that many times. Like, uh, people create ministry and ministry and, and we, we fall in love with that particular ministry and we forget that 
that the ministry is not the ultimate goal. It's people out there. It's people coming to Jesus. Maybe the ministry is not even bringing anybody to Jesus. And then, but we don't want to let go of it. And even that ministry might become a distraction to accomplishing God's kingdom. And we ought to be alert. We ought to watch that. Preparing ourselves to recognize God's voice from all the other voices around, whispering in our ears. Like I said, even something good can lead you away from God. A great job, a good phone, computer, internet, a well-deserved vacation. Anything, those things are good, don't get me wrong, but they can pull you away from God. You know, when you go on vacation, you take any books to read or, you know, it's like, I mean, do you even think about God? I mean, he, he allowed you to go on vacation healthy and things, but do you ever thank him while you're there selling yourself on the beach? It's like he created that beach for you. And now it's like, I mean, do you even think of, of him during that moment? Don't let anything else distract you, you know, because anything good thing can become, you know, Anything, have, anything has the potential to becoming a distraction if we let them, we let those things distract us. How are you preparing yourself to overcome distraction in your life? Have you been preparing yourself? Have you been aware? I mean, you know, what distracts me might not, what is distracting to you might not be distracting to me. You have to recognize which, what things are distracting you from fulfilling God's mission, from, from growing in Christ. Sometimes, you know, growing in Christ is, is hard. It's like growing pain, but there are the things that don't want you to read the Bible, don't want you to pray. And so, you know, when was the last time you spent quality time with God? You know, you know, talk to, hear from Him. You know, don't let anything divert you from fulfilling God's mission. God's mission had to be the priority. And Jesus got it. I mean, he understood, like, this is the main thing that I came to do. And I would not let anything take me away, pull me away from what I came to do. How you prepare yourself, you got to know your mission. You got to know God's plan in your own life. Jesus knew exactly what he came to do. He said, my food in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when you truly know your mission, you can recognize any attempt to pull you away from that mission. You know, the church has a mission to fulfill. And we can recognize what, when the world throws something that, you know, it's not going to help us accomplish the mission. It's just going to get us caught up in this moment and, and, you know, enjoying each other's company, get great fellowship. But, you know, even when we fellowship and we have meals and things like that, that that's not even our mission. The fellowship meals is to strengthen ourselves, but we also have to recognize the mission is those people that do not know Jesus. That's why the church exists. Jesus' mission is the same as ours. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years to seek and save the the lost. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's our mission, to make disciples. So I, I always say that anything in the church, every ministry that we create, everything that we do should be for that purpose, that we grow more in Christ, that we become better disciples of Jesus. If you're here, like you got to be better next year than you are today. That's like athletes do that. Like, you know, okay, if I, you know, okay I, I, somebody asked Josiah in the field, because he played baseball for Wagner, you know, varsity, and the, and the guy said, hey, what do you think you need to work on to be a better player? 
So he said, well, I gotta work on developing a stronger arm if I wanna play shortstop, because you know, right now I don't have the strength and I gotta be able to, to hit with more power. So now he has a whole year to practice those things so that he developed the skills so that when next year 23 comes, he'd be a better player. So think about that, use that analogy, talking to people that coach, they know what I'm talking about. So think about as a Christian, you gotta, every year you say, I gotta be a better disciple of Jesus. You know, you, you know how people in, in, in January, they do year's resolution, and by the end of January, they just threw them out the window? Don't do those things. Like, you know what? Like, I haven't been reading a lot. I got, I got to get back into this thing for the purpose of growing and, and, and developing myself as a, as a good disciple of Jesus so that I'd be able to recognize when the distraction come so that I'd be able to overcome it. Distractions are going to happen in any field. In any area of our lives. And we have to be able to, to battle against it. We have to be able to, to stop it and not give in to them. Like, that's why I said we can learn from Jesus how he overcame. Because even the Son of God was tempted to be distracted. By the devil, by the crowd, by even his own inner circle, the disciples, one of, one of the three, Peter, James, and John, Peter, you know, it's like, you're not doing that, Jesus. He said, this is what I came to do. Get behind me, Satan. Because right now, you're not helping me accomplish my mission. Get behind me, because I came to fulfill the mission, and sorry, I would not listen to you. So prepare yourself. Know your mission. To accomplish God's mission, Jesus, was, Jesus made it a priority. And I think you and I need to do, to do the same. Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things will be given to you as well. Tony Evans has a book entitled Kingdom Person. And he says, a kingdom person, if I recall his definition, a kingdom person is somebody who adjusts his decisions to God's decisions, even if God's decision is not what you prefer. A kingdom person is somebody who adjusts my decision to God's decision, even if God's decision is not what I really want at that moment. That's what a kingdom person is. Jesus knew I, I came to fulfill the mission of the, this kingdom, to bring people, to reconcile people back to God. And I would not let anything get in, in my way. His mission was the cross. But Satan said, you don't really have to go to the cross. All you got to do is worship me and I give you all these kingdoms. His mission was the cross. Like Jesus, you and I have been given a mission to fulfill on this earth. And there will be times that you and I be tempted to stop running a race. You're going to be tempted to be distracted from that particular mission. You might be tempted to change the course. But we have to remain steadfast to the, to the, to the main mission. We have to... To overcome distraction by, by preparing ourselves, by knowing our mission, and, and, and really recognize, recognize what we all been called to do as, as the body of Christ, as the church in here. Now, just think about what is distracting you from being a kingdom individual? What is distracting you? Uh, another movie quote that I remember, The Lord of the Rings. You remember when, what was Frodo's mission? Was to take that ring to, to the mountain there to destroy it. 
But in the meantime, you know, he had to battle a lot of things. You know, even one of his friends at one time tried to take the ring from him. But he remember, he knew that if we take the ring to the mountain, it's going to be destroyed. And then the whole world will be saved. At one time, Frodo is by himself. Remember that scene when the spider came and, you know, he's by himself and he thinks that he can no longer do it. And, you know, he's in desperation. And one of the elves, an elf lady appears and said to Frodo, This mission has been appointed to you, Frodo of the Shire. And if you do not find a way, no one will. And I always go back to that because it's the same thing. The mission of the church, the mission of Jesus has been appointed to the church. And if we do not find a way... No one will. Jesus, God isn't going to send angels and prophets. He's, he's sending you and I like sheep among wolves. But we have to be able to see that can distract me from Jesus' mission. And I will not listen to that. You know, all these ideologies now, like, you know, all over the place. That now is taking away gas standard and, and the government and people creating their own. All those things are distracting us from what God intends for the church to be. From what God intends for us to do. And we have to be able to say no to that. Yes to. I go with God on this one. Amen. You know, you want to define marriage? No, I go with the, God's definition of it. I think that's the better one. Or you want to define, you want to define gender now? I go with God. Two genders. Male and female. I don't know what you guys are thinking about. But on this one, I'm going to go with it Because I will not let anything else around me distract me from the main course. From the main goal. Amen. Because otherwise, we're going to conform to this world. And we no longer be the church of Jesus. There's so many churches. They're giving in to, to, to political agendas and other things. Why? Because you're going to lose money from the government? Or you're going to preach about same-sex marriage? Because you, you're gonna, they're going to take you a tax exemption. But you can take mine anytime. Because I want to preach what the Bible says needs to be happening. Jesus said, they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. And he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. But my friend, this book has been attacked. It has been attacked for centuries. Because people just, you know, now they say, I love them. I say, well, you know, that's all. You know, that's really like, you know, you know, some of the excuse they have. Because they want to they wanna change but because he says that that's sinful behavior. Oh, no, like, you know, but, but I feel okay. Like, you know, distraction is always going to happen. And we, as, as God's church, because Jesus is going to come one day. It's going to judge us. It's going to judge the world. And so leaders, church leaders, are going to say, why did you change the gospel? Can you imagine that? That Jesus said, you know, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he, only he or she who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy or preach in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, didn't we do miracles in your name? And Jesus said, yeah, at the end of the day, I would say, I don't even know who you are. Depart from me, you evildoers. Man, I don't want those words to, to be mine. All because I decided to just preach my own opinions or my own uh, liking. I got to let the word of God talk to us. And I mean, people want to, they want going around, they want to recal recalibrate, recalculate. They don't want to listen to God's word anymore. I love it when, when sometimes, you know, something bad happens and people say, well, where is God when there's a shooting in the school? Where is God when this thing happens? God is where you want him, where you want him to be. You kicked him out, so he stay out. And now you want him back in. 
You know, the world's like, you know, where's God? It's like, he's always been there. But you, you rejected him and he just, God says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. But if you don't want, you know, you kicked it, you don't want prayer in school. Well, now we're going to pray when there's a shooting. You, you see how ironic it is in our society? Now we want, if we would have had it, probably that could have been avoided. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's like afterwards, God is afterthought. My friends, you and I as a church, we, we had to know, we had to keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't let anything distract you from that. Recognize the voices that are, you know, through the ideologies and through whatever. Recognize that. Go back to, go back to the basic. The songwriter says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Psalm 119, 9. How can a young person keep his way pure? By living according to his word. And he says, I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So treasure this thing because, you know, this is the GPS for life. When we go the opposite direction, the Holy Spirit said, hey, recalculating. But sometimes we don't listen to him. We said, no, I'm going to go this way because we know better than the GPS, the Alexa or this guy, George, that I call mine because it's a male voice. They're telling you. And it's like, hey, uh, the Lord said, hey, watch it. You go in the room, you know, and we get in trouble easily. So don't let anything distract you from the race that you're already running. You're running this race. There are people that are going to come cutting on you. You know, they want to try to uh, to make us make you stumble. Don't let go around them, but keep on running. Don't let anything distract you. Know your mission. Know why the Lord saved you. Why you're here today. You know, remember that sermon that I preached? He calls you an agent of reconciliation. You have a task to fulfill. And there's no plan B with God. It's that task is going to be accomplished through you and I. Not letting ourselves be diverted, distracted, interrupted by distraction. You too can overcome it. You too can be victorious over them. Would you pray with me this morning?